It's the Cold Beer Surf Club. Heck yeah, Chris. Well, yeah. thanks for coming down. Yeah, super stoked, stoked to, to be do here. this. We've gotten to hang a bunch. I feel like I've probably gotten to talk to you and just gotten knowledge and surf history and all the rad shit that you've shared with me over the years. So yeah, hopefully maybe we can share a little bit of that with someone who <laughs> is interested. Oh, heck yeah. They I better mean, be. I mean, shoot, we always hang out with surfing and fishing at home and, um, uh, just the idea of like doing a quick drive down here, super fun. And I mean, you know, when we're out on the boat waiting for tide to change or whatever, there's a lot of people when you start waxing about the old days and that kind of stuff, they kind of like really don't care. It's actually kind of annoying, you know? And so like, you've always been like, can tell you want to hear a good one, you know? Oh yeah. It's my favorite thing ever. And you don't mind that like we never let the truth get in front of a good story too yeah. so <laughs> yeah i'd be so pumped always when i ran into you on the beach and no, no one around nothing to do i'd be like yes <laughs> like hours would blow by and a couple beers deep and still getting more stories so yeah that's yeah. kind of what i think our zone is a, like it really is like kind of like you go down and then you know you're gonna know everybody and like I don't know, you, people you grew up with, you know, their parents, like, you you know, you feel pretty comfortable. It's like, there's not going to be some, it's just you guys, you know? So totally. I think in our zone, it's surfers, like, you know, you have a lot of three, four, five decade friendships, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was thinking about it the other day, like, this is kind of crazy. Like, I've known guys for 40 years, spent a lot of my really sp special sessions together. I've known them. I know they have kids. Don't know their names. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I know weird. them better than some of my first cousins, you know, because you, and you, because you're, you're there every day for that same thing, you know? And so it's kind of interesting. I think all of us as surfers have that where people are like, Oh, no way. That's my buddy. And they're like, Oh, what's his name? And you're like, I don't know. He's just my <laughs> buddy. <laughs> he was there yesterday. He's there today. And I know he'll be there for tomorrow. For sure. Right? I just sort of, sh I mean, you for connect. Better worse, for yeah. better or worse. Connecting through surfing, which you probably don't even know anything about each other outside of the sure, water, maybe. But sure. just the fact that you shared a couple of special sessions or something, there's like a bond that's created. There is. Yeah. There is. And it's also like, you know, it's almost like a family, you know, for, to even go there. Like you've got like your, like your, your bitchy relative. You're like, oh, him. You just kind of know what's happening, how he moves and his way of being. And then, you know, and then you're like, oh, there's my favorite aunt. You know, go hang out with her. And, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's like a big, weird family. So I know you've done a couple of these podcasts. So I was trying to yeah. figure out like what I wanted to talk about. With yeah. you. And I think, uh, I mean, to me, when I was growing up, <clears throat> I mean, I can, I can remember watching Thicker Than Water. Mm -hmm. I first, the first movie I, I probably, surf movie I ever watched was like Endless Summer. Sure. I was like, okay, endless summer. Sure. Oh, this is sick, you know. And then yeah. Pat and Wingnut, mm -hmm. and Cloud Break, and mm -hmm. everywhere. And then like l the next film I remember really connecting with was it was like Thicker Than Water, Shelter, and September Sessions were kind of like somewhere around the same time yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I don't even you know like today there's so many high fi shredding movies, mm -hmm. but when I watch those films, like there's amazing surfing in them. But I got this 
feeling of like, wow, like that's, there's something happening in those films and there's this culture around surfing and this group of people and this like creative energy and just all this stuff. It was like kind of that like intangible stuff. And I was like, I gotta be a part of that. How do I, how do I get on a boat in Indo with my friends and surf all day and body surf and just all the shit that you guys captured in those films was like super influential to me as a kid. So, oh man, that means, means, it means a lot, you know? And, and I think, um, I think now there's been a little bit of time since we made this, so I can kind of have a, a, a better perspective on that sort of like 20 year window where it was. Yeah. I'm appreciating it more every, uh, every year that goes by because it was like, yeah, it was like 20 years of nonstop travel, never being in the same place for more than two months. And it wasn't predicated plan. What had nothing to do with the tour or it was like literally like I literally spinning the globe being like, what is that? There's gotta be something, you know, <laughs> that it was that era. And I know how old I make myself sound, but it, it was a, a really, it was a good experience in that, um, like that, that feeling of mystery. Like you really, like for all the good ways we got, like there's tons of, I mean, we'd hang out somewhere for in Ireland for like a month, you know? And so, um, less scoring, I think in our generation, but like really special stuff, you know, really like, like stuff where you're like, ah. There's no waves. Let's go. We're in Peru. Let's go to Chile. Why? I don't know. There's just more coastline. Let's just move. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff um, caused us to, um, yeah, I'd be, you know, that was just a that space between the generation before us, like Tom and Aki and Jerry. Every, every generation of pro surfers had to figure out some kind of side hustle or in the past, you know, something. And that made some of the most unique characters in surfing. Cause it, you know, it was, it's just like in, there's an element of like, if you really, let's say you really love basketball and like, of course you're going to know the heroes, the legends and, and, but like the real basketball, um, you know, fans, they're going to know all kinds of stuff in college and you know, like the, you know, you want to know more if that's what's what you're doing and you just want to know more, you know? So it's always that like, I sort of came to it that way um, with, I always felt like I was just freaking lucky to be where I was, you know, like with the, with the crew that we ran with and getting to be in the lineup at that time, you know, like being in the lineup with Jerry Lopez and Dane Kaloha, you know, like I, none of that was lost on me. So I was just like a sponge for it, you know? And if I had been more focused on, <laughs> maybe I, maybe I should have focused on other things, but I was really just like, man, I shouldn't have this opportunity, you know? And I, and I got to be there. So I really such a sponge, man. I just like soaked it up yeah, with no intention of, an, I mean, anything other than just, I guess doing what we're doing right now, <laughs> telling stories. Totally. But, what, so when you made Thicker Than Water, that was the first film you ever made, mm-hmm. yeah. which is pretty insane to think about how <laughs> rad that film is. I, you had zero yeah. experience before that. We did. We we did. And and Jack had ran a Bullocks a little bit. My cousin was editing. So we had like, you know, I think what you, what you should have when you set out to make your first film, like not enough information or money. Like you, you, that's how we were. Like we had no right to do that. But then if you, if you think about the process, it's like, if I can get to the Bay of Bengal with 
12 rolls of 16 and Jack. And we like, you know, Tamayo Perry, Josh Bradbury, Bradbury. Um, Hans Hagen, just such great guys. I'm like, if we can just get physically get to this place, these places, I know like Jack would, you know, you literally jump off the side of the boat. Um, it's when Pelican cases like really started to happen and we were like, it changed the game, right? You're not getting cameras into the jungle with plastic bags and, you know, half full of beer, half full of bullocks, whatever kind of thing. It was like, you know, um, Jack, you could push him outside the boat on a, on a bullocks and he'd surf it in. So. You know, so like those things weren't at the time, like th those weren't challenging, <laughs> you know, those weren't a challenging part of it. That was the fun of it, yeah. you know? And so, uh, so yeah, we, I mean, it, it was, it was, we were just basically just going off of like Albie Falzon and, and the Witsicks and Severson and like that aesthetic was, um, just ingrained into us. So it wasn't, I don't feel like we were, the only thing that was really fresh about that stuff was, um, some of the spots and, and I think the surfing was good. You know, I think it was a good a period of time for all the, all the, the crew that wanted to, wanted to go, you know, cause there was nothing, there was never on all those trips, there was never anything other than like, Hey, we're going to go here. Do you want to come? That was it. That was, there was no like, well, that's going to dovetail with this campaign and we're going to have this and we're going to do that. It was like, get your shit. And like, if you're at the airport, we're going, you know? So yeah, that was like, and how old are we? How old were you in that? I don't know. Let's see. Ninety seven. Like ninety seven was when I started like seriously wanting to do film, film and surfing. But ninety seven. So the math on that. Yeah. And then that movie I think came out in two thousand or something. So I'm terrible. Just let the record say I am terrible with dates. Yeah, I was seven when that came out. I mean, which sounds right That's in crazy. my like growing up of yeah. where I was at surfing. I'm like, okay, seven. Yeah. That yeah. was like, you're so easily influenced at that point, you know, and seeing that. Totally. So, and that was like, what was your real inspiration to, to make that? Or, you know, was there like a draw towards film, something in particular, you know, or was it just like, Hey, I want to tell this story about my buddies and this vision, you know, like, where'd you come up with that? I, I became, I was very, I was always very interested in, light and composition and kind of like storytelling and um and I felt as though like I did see a little like part of surfing I felt like it wasn't really had kind of sort of faded that was my favorite part of surfing you know and the places and the, and the people in them and um and so yeah it just, it just I mean I didn't I wasn't married you know and I was making a, a living surfing and I had saved up and it just felt um, doable, you know, it felt doable and it felt like, well, we're in our twenties and, um, we're around people we want to be around. And like, it was that big thing of like 18 months later when we got it done, I was like, you know what, As I had gotten hurt, you know? And so I was like, that was a great way to spend that 18 months. It'll be a fun little like thing, you know, like a fun, we made it, we did it. You know, I was like, almost like out of respect for the, the, like the Bruce Browns and that, you know, like, like we, we, we were listening, you know, we were watching it informed us, you know, it was almost kind of like that. And then, yeah. And then of course it was fun and people seem like they appreciated it. So we kept doing it and here we are. <laughs> yeah. I think those, I mean, those three films to me, well, I mean all your films, but those three that were really yeah. influential to me, I mean, those are like something that'll stand the test of time yeah. and surfing forever. And 
for kids out there who have watched those, they should fucking watch them because <laughs> that's, you know, I think I sort of, which is weird. I think maybe as you get older and you see things change and something sure. that you love to do, right? Sure. It's like, it was interesting to hear you say that at that point you felt like what you loved about serving was maybe falling off. So you were inspired to try to like carry on some of that tradition. Yeah. And now it feels like things just changed so fast, but I would agree. Like that's when I think about what I love of surfing, it's, it's that, you know, and I feel like that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, dwindled to yeah. That's the the thing though. The thing though, I think is that like there's only so many people that are really going to like like live like live it, you know, like and um and like for the for that kind of those kind of some kinds of film and music and stuff that people like it misses a lot of people, you know. Like when we first started making. We had there hadn't been much slow mo in a long time when when we made our first movies, you know, and and so a lot of people don't get it, and that's totally okay. I've always like kind of been like, man, I know somebody's gonna get this. Like my friends would dig this, you know. Like I'd sit around and watch this. So you kind of like make it for yourself and for your your crew, you know. And if they like it, then it usually like when you're trying to make something that everybody's gonna love, it usually sucks, you know. And that goes with everything. So with that, with, with that little, that group of, of films, it was truly like, you know, like we always went under the moonshine conspiracy, right? And somebody one day was like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know, I just made it up. Like, just made it up, doesn't mean anything. We needed something to put on the beginning of the movie. <laughs> you know, like we were just kids. Like literally, literally um, getting the processing, all, all, some of the film transferred and all that stuff, trading surfboards. Like Al Merrick didn't know he was making a movie at that time or funding a movie. <laughs> no, it, it, was, yeah. it really was that, you That's know, was, it was, and, and, and I borrowed money from Bob early and paid him back. Very proud of that. Paid him back every penny. And um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of um, it's only been in this last year. I've kind of looked stopped to look back, you know, because it's been 20 years or whatever. It's been a long time. So that's pretty wild. I mean. Obviously, at that point, there'd been people who were free surfers, you know. Sure. Now that's like a very coined term, like to be a free surfer. Sure. But, uh, at that point, when you, I was listening to the the conversation you had with Jamie, and you know, yeah, Bob Bob Hurley believed in me, yeah. and I was like, Chris, you're not making heats, but you're fucking rad. Yeah. Like, why? Let's just go this way, you know. And at that point, I mean, there couldn't have been too many guys that were in that position to be getting paid to surf and not compete and like be storytelling. And like, I mean, you were in a way like probably one of the first free surfers. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I've always kind of like struggled with that, that term too. Cause like basically, I mean, the, I couldn't make heats. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't having a bad run. I sucked in at contests <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it more than anybody did, you know, I did. And, uh, and, um, yeah. And so it was like, um, I, I was hanging out, hanging out with Stesic a fair bit. And, Craig. Uh, yeah, Craig Stesic and and, and uh, Hornbaker and Art Brewer and Teddy Grambo and like they 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 like kind of were elders for me that like understood that I wanted to know more, you know, like like I want I would needle them for for more stuff, you know, and um and so they definitely were informative for me. I mean, lots of, lots of people inspired me that I don't know. But those guys were like, you know, having breakfast with and like talking about stuff and Uncle Craig pushing me, push me, push me away, you know, for a long time. And he's like, you little fucker, I'm not giving that shit away for free. 
and he still doesn't. He still makes me earn it, you know. Um, and, and but it's 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 uh, yeah. You either you either like like that shit or you don't, man. Like you know, like you. I want I want to know the details of what Kivlin was riding at that year at that spot. Like I care about it. I kind of wish I didn't because I'd probably be more productive in the rest of my <laughs> life. But like. You know, it's like I have a few friends and we'll just totally waste an hour on like, so wait, like free ride. That, I thought that board was da 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 da. Who shaped that board? And, and, and again, it's useless information. It's uh, as Mark Cunningham so eloquently uh, put via his shrink. Um, surfing is just a beautiful diversion. <laughs> so I think that's important too with surfing is to not take it too serious. The second feel like the second you take it too serious, it kind of wrecks the whole thing. For sure, yeah. You know, so it's that balance of like, oh, man, this is, ins- I'm freaking out on this. This is amazing. But, like, I don't, there's only a few of us that are, are that frothy, you know? And, yeah. and, and then when you, and then you put the films out, and then you go, and we forewalled those films all across the country. I mean, like, gymnasiums, sc- you know, school gyms, all the way to, super fancy setups in New York, got to see it all, you know, and, and it turns out um, more people are, are, yeah, more people are, are in, like, like get that, you know, that sort of way of, of, of uh, sharing surfing. Yeah. So. And you pretty much, we were, we were talking to recently, uh, just about all sorts of surfing, but I mean, it's wild to think coming from where we come from at home. I mean, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of big waves. There's not a lot of big waves, but there's a lot a, of people from our zone sort of charge. Yeah. And you really charge. <laughs> <laughs> and well, we were saying you you told me that you were the first person to ever paddle out at uh, Mulligmore. Well, I, my, it was more, it was a kind of like a, cause I'm, I'm, I, let's see. So with Mulligmore, like to watch what those guys are doing right now is so incredible to me. It's so amazing. And as, a, as you know, my, my, my fascination with Ireland and goes way back, you know, my grandmother came over on the Lusitania, right? So, and then made her way across to Kentucky, then all the way out to the U S and Ireland has always been a huge thing for me. And, and that was probably like a pilgrimage for you the first time. It was yeah. there, right? It kind of was. And, um, Yes, it, it was. And there was lots of rumors floating around about that wave. I had bumped into Joel Fitzgerald in France a couple of years before, I think. And he's like, fuck, I might as fuck. Thing. And he had a big bang on his, like a big divot in his f- face. <laughs> and I'm like, if, because t- people underestimate Joel Fitzgerald. That guy at one point, I think, was top three big wave guys in the world. No way. I really I'm believe so that. Sick. And I seen it. I've seen yeah. it. I saw it. Like, and, and he was off like, doing whatever you know he just was like doing his own thing but really un- underestimated in big ways for that period of time um but so i talked to joel in the parking lot and i saw his face and i'm like that's what i want to go there <laughs> like that looks like he's like oh there's fucking slabby left and da, 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 da. so got that got me thinking i'm like cool i know there obviously had to be ways but then joel confirmed that and then um, I started to talk to Rob Gilly, and Gilly had been there with Curran and seen Mulligmore. 
Oh, what? Massive and perfect. Like Gilly still talks about it. But it was like Tom had like a 6'4". So there was no, it wasn't that he didn't pal out. He didn't have anything, you know. And so it was just like, and at that time, all we were doing was traveling for waves. So it was just like, I inked that. I'm just like, we're going, going to Ireland, you know. So um, long story short, so that was early 90s. And the wave that Joel had surfed, Joel Fitzgerald, the wave that he had surfed, um, is right next to Mulligmore. It's so funny to be talking so freely about this, saying this out loud, because for a long time, you know, like I went back five times to try to get it, and I just didn't have the right forecasting, didn't have, I brought a ski the last time, but I put a lot of, a lot of heart into trying to get it, you know. Anyway, I'm bouncing around, but so we went and surfed that, that way that Joel served, but you can see Mulligmore from there. It's just a big version of it. Like the wave that Joel surfs a little, it's a smaller version, mental stand-up barrels, but it's not Mulligmore. So um, I was just kept seeing it. And I'm like, dude, that thing's capping. And that, and I mean, it gets way bigger here. And um, so I believe the crew I was with, including including Rob Gilly, thanks to Rob for that first trip, but kind of organizing it all. Um, those guys went home, and I'm like, man, it hasn't. We've been here for how long? It hasn't broke. It's, that thing's gonna do it, you know. So uh, I stayed with Richie Fitzgerald. So he was the kind of surfing mayor of almost like I would say like Ireland at that time, you know, like a good goofy footer. Um, they had a little store there in Bendoran. So I stayed back with him. And his mom, Peggy, sweetest Irish woman in the world, made us shepherd's pie and spent a lot of time with their family. I was even doing runs, like, um, for their little surf shop, like driving the little van, going doing pickups down in Sligo. And, like, it was it was such a neat little period of time waiting for that thing to do it, you know? It was, like, looking back on it... Um, <laughs> it's such a dirt. Uh, WB Yates is buried right there under Ben Bulban. And uh, I used to like get like, and this, like, because whenever he left, I was solo, right? And and Richie, Richie was off working and doing his thing. So I'd be cruising around with like Guinness in the back and go sit at WB Yates under Ben Bulban and just hang out and wait for the freaking spirits to come out of the hills. It was just like everything about it, man. It just felt so good. And then that day happened and I had where it was breaking and I had just polished like a beer and a giant like Irish bread butter. And I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> I was at the Yield bridge bar. I'll never forget it. And I look out the window and I'm like, fuck, it's just different outside right now. Wind kind of started to switch a little bit. I'm like fucking burping. And I had the 710 owl it was a pipe board because we used to ride these freaking giant boards at pipe you know and it was a really good pipe board and then so i had done winter in hawaii as usual and then i had stopped at chopu and before ireland and brought that board which is stupid you know like i don't know we were just trying to figure it out at that time at chopu like what can work what's possible it was before laird did his you know showed us all <laughs> what you could do out there 
Um, but I ended up taking that board. I came home and then took that board to Ireland because I just was like, there's got to be a need for this. So I had the right board that had been ridden in the right waves for a slab. Like, that's all that board really was, you know? Um, yeah, and I got my shit together, and, like, I'm sure they have a better way now. But you pull up, you know, you pull up, and um, all these pastures, and then there's Lord Mountbatten's castle on the point. Like, it's out of, like, a freaking, like, Middle Earth shit, man. Like, you you pull up, there's cliffs and pasture, this crazy castle, so Lord Mountbatten, and by the way, any, and I can mess up details at any time, so, like, <laughs> but anyway, he, the Irish didn't want this ro- English royalty down at that zone, and it's a proper castle, like a real castle, and the Irish blew it up, blew him up, <laughs> they didn't blow up the castle, but they literally bombed him, I think he was in his boat, so, really? like, so you pull up, and it's like, Ben Bulbin is this sort of, like, buttress, this feature in the mountains, so proud. Snow cap right below him lays WB8s. Mullenmore's right there. Like, it's just a crazy part of geography, like the, the layers there. So anyway, I paddle out. The first time I paddle out was the biggest, um, to this day, I ever remember trying it. And um, I just paddled out, basically. And you're by yourself. 100% by myself. No one around. Nobody around. <laughs> and... um. But I mean, it wasn't like some, I just, there was nobody around. I would have loved it. <laughs> I really love, there was a fucking helicopter. I didn't, I just didn't have it. It has M10. So that first session, I just got my fucking ass kicked. Like there's no, like I was the first guy to surf it and get bare, do the whole thing. Like I paddled out and witnessed it and like was just thinking of the guys at that time that I wanted to get back there to bring them back. Cause I couldn't do, I couldn't, I didn't want to surf it again by myself. <laughs> You know, I would so that it seemed, it's got that the takeoff thing, then it's got that the whole that thing. Like I was sitting wrong, I was sitting between those things. Yeah, and I knew better. I should have either just nutted up and sat on the spot, the main, the deep spot, or and what I ended up doing is just catfishing that second section. So I got some, but you know what I mean. So then back back, I took my brothers back. We had a ski with Dana Brown, and we got it like eight feet. Still rad, but not. So when I saw the footage of the thing coming in, that wave happening, um, I was just like, it was so bittersweet. Same with Chopu. You know, same with Chopu. Like those early days, man, like we knew what it could do. We knew what we could do. And it was like either like bad timing or we didn't have enough heart. Maybe we should have gone harder, you know? We could have. We could have. That's the cool part. That's the cool part is like in your heart, you're like, I know we can go harder, like at the time, you know, like, and, but I'm physically can't, like, I don't know how, you know, and then 15 years later, you're like, I fucking knew it was doable. I knew you could do it. And I gave it all I had. Just didn't, you just, it just was like, yeah, there's no point, roadmap. You're just going, whoa, look at that. Like, I'm going to try. Totally. You know, I don't and know what, what it's the fuck, the, and let's go. Well, it reminded me of my, like the first time I paddled out to like, like big pipe. I was like, okay. Nothing here equals up to me m- making a wave and and getting a barrel, like physically and everything. Like I just, but I only did it because I was watching humans do it. <laughs> I'm like, it's possible. I mean, yeah, that is Johnny Boy Gomes, but if he can get down the face, like I can, I can at least try. You know. I remember so vividly the first time I ever saw pipe firing. I was 
Hurley, I went over with Hurley. I was like uh, 13, 14 maybe. Yeah. And uh, we were staying at log houses. This is a total departure from where we were, but we'll <laughs> go back. But uh, I I couldn't sleep. But we'd been like on the North Shore for like a week and it was yeah. small and we were surfing like little logs and Rockies. And then everyone's like, oh, swell's coming, swell's coming. It was like November, mid-November. And I, I went to bed that night and I was sleeping on the couch at this house at logs <laughs> and freaking, it just started cracking in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh my God. And I could not sleep. I was so just nervous and just fired up. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I, it was a full moon and I was laying there and I was just like, fuck it. And I got on a bike and I rode down to off the wall. I didn't even know where off the wall was. Sure. I just rode sure. down to the beach. I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. There's this place to go down to the sand. I just walked down there. It was probably two in the morning. I was like 13, 14. I sat at off the wall and I watched these sets just come in like these huge lines just in the moonlight. And I was just sitting there going, oh my God, this is what the North Shore is all about. It's that feeling. Like you only finally, have that feeling once. And I sat there <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, how how do people surf this shit? Right. And I went back to the house and I don't even know. I can't really remember if I fell asleep or not. But finally it was like everyone was getting up and we went down to Beach Park and we looked at pipe and there was one guy out and I was just watching these huge, <laughs> like 10, like in hindsight, you know, sure. firing 10 to 12 foot pipe, sure. like as good as it gets pretty much. One guy out kind of washed through his pride, but, and I was just looking at these things going like, D I can't, I can't surf. How does anyone make a right. drop on that wave? Totally. It was the weirdest you only, thing. It's a leap like, of faith oh truly, in the best sense of, of the term. Like knowing what I know now, yeah. it looks so much gnarlier looking down the beach into it. Cause it just like goes inverted and crazy. Totally. Once you're straight on, you're like, Oh, okay, the hydrodynamics <laughs> of, of pipeline are, are, um, truly like, you know, the whole world moved, you know, they ran for Chopu and some of the, as they should, you know, like there's holy shit, there's more big giant barrels out there. But I maintain that like there's a, the, the hydrodynamics at pipeline are just like, man, there's such a thing to behold. They really are. It's such know? a crazy wave. Because it, because of how much variance is in each wave. And that's the thing I sort of tell people. I'm like, like, so imagine like a spot and like you pick that you've, everybody's got a spot they've surfed where if you pick the wrong one, you're on the rocks or you're going you know, to break your board or whatever. Imagine it's like that, but like, and then there's like the, that element, the wave can kill you, whatever that's in, but the crowd, man, like, it's like you can't, it'd be like, it'd be like going into like battle with, with like blinders on like the most important nuancey thing of that shoulder, that little rivulet that's happening. That's your, that's a make or break thing. That six ounces of like chip shot thrust, that six, whatever. That is in the, that situation more than anywhere I've ever surfed is like, it is the most high pressure moment on who's going to go. And there's all this unsaid shit in eyes when you're looking at guys eyes and it's happening right now, it's happening right now. And you're looking at your best friends or, or your sort of nemesis in some yeah, or case. Someone who wants to kill you. Yeah. And everybody's out there to make or break their whole fucking deal. And so the idea of a perfect 12 foot pipe wave coming to you is like pure joy. The idea of doing it with 40 really good surfers or a hundred or a hundred. Yeah. For, well, maybe two now. Now. Yeah. That's crazy. Like the idea of doing that. And then within the pipe crowd. And again, I know I'm going to date myself cause it's probably shifted a little bit, but like there was such, there was such an important hierarchy and you had to know your place in that. Right. Because 
I've learned everything I've everything I've learned about all that I learned the hard way. <laughs> you know, like maybe he's maybe and I won't name names, but so and so might have been on a bit of a bender last year and now he's back and I don't really remember him, but yet it's so and so's nephew that you should know or you know da da and then you end up with your friends broken at best. You, you know what I mean? So there was such a neat hierarchy within that though man you still you know, there was always a contingency of dudes that were like kind of like really good surfers but hadn't surfed didn't really know how it was happening and they thought it was basically you know like the north side of the pier or whatever and so it's like every man for himself kind of thing and then so you're fighting those guys and then you then you all uh, you get a wave that's not that's for sure doomed but you don't know until the guy pulls back but and there's no going back now. You know what I mean? So that's that's the trick at pipe. You know? Yeah, and I mean, you're sitting there, and it's so like a, a fraction of a second oh. could be you getting tossed on a 10-footer. A fraction. Getting really, really hurt yeah. or dying. Yeah. And or getting the way of your life. Or getting the way of your life. And the best ones are usually the ones you're like, eh, I don't know. Almost but always. I'm, <laughs> and then, oh, it works. Almost always. Unless you're, and that's a bit, paddling's a huge factor. And like, if you're, like the dude, the magic paddlers, man. Like the Kalani Robs and Reef Mac and the Irons Brothers, um, Derek. Like, I get so jealous of their. I'm a horrible paddler. Like, I'm pretty bad too. For somebody who's like done it for 40 years, like I and I believe me, I get made fun of it. I always have got made fun of it. So for me, it was always that like, um, no matter what, it was a late drop for me. Like if I was a good, I got really good at late drops because I couldn't, I, every, every drop was a late drop. You know what I mean? So you put all those factors together and, um, I, and, uh, I put all those factors together and it reminds me why I never got like the one I was waiting for at pipe. That's how I feel. I still feel like the, there was still one that I was, and I kind of, I kind of like it that way. You know, kind of like, I don't, I'm not good at going like, okay, boys, we did it. And let's move on. Like totally. I, I like having those things in my life where that like every day you think about you move towards the that goal and you ship away. It's kind of a letdown when you pull it pull it off. Whatever it is in life, you know what I mean. Like it just sort of. I want. I like to have that thing, that little mis mystery about the thing, and I'd rather have something chip away on it forever. You know, some things in your life you should chip away on forever. I think have things like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm similar to you in that way for sure. Like yeah. I love the 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 chase and the yeah. feeling of getting better and the feeling of like oh, there's more out there. There's something there and like the improvement and the work that goes into that. I mean, that's and I think that's a good way to be because yeah, and you enjoy yeah every day. You're not waiting for this like I achieved this. Okay, I always felt like I won a contest. I was like, that was it. Okay, cool. Totally. Next, <laughs> you know, well, and like, I feel this. That's the, how I feel. Like there's a few like waypoints in my life where it was time to celebrate or something. You know, time to make a thing about it. And I always felt like, well, fuck, dude. Of course, like I had every opportunity in the world to do something I love. Like this is if everything goes smooth, that's what that's that's what happens. Like you get together with crew, you work really hard, whatever it is, and. Any, any walk of life. And then you get to the thing, you're like, cool, well, we did what we said we were going to do. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. I never, yeah, I never, it's, I think if you stop to, I don't know. I don't know. Keep going. You can't smell the rose. Going. Can't smell the roses. That's why I never much, check uh, the wave reports. Yeah, you just go. Ever. And never check the, check the forecast. Like uh, I want every day to be like a surprise that I'm pro and probably, um, 
it skunked. And then you get to the, every day is like, no way, there's waves. Like, there's corners. Look at that little thing. If I have a buck for every uh, whiny guy in the lineup that was like good fun waves, like talking shit about the swell because it oh, wasn't it what wasn't it, as good the as it computer promised him. Yeah. <laughs> I've probably done that a few times. But, and the other thing is, all my friends know that I'm 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 a little bit behind on the technology. So if something really really good happens, like that last swell of you guys at Rincon, I was getting like real time footage of you guys, <laughs> like cheering. I was like cheering. What well, fucking Connor better get another one, dude? Hold uh, it down, dude. Hold it down. Dude. This is you. Like, come on, like, uh, just for fun, you know? Awesome. That, like, so I get I get the good stuff. All right, we are back, and we have a very special guest with us today. There's only one winner each and every year. you got eight guys, right? Eight guys that are in their prime, and it's like, I think rivalries will get created, hopefully. We are the next generation, and we're pushing, and I mean, we're kind of naive if we didn't know. Everyone's saying it, everyone's talking about it. Go ahead, because you know we love this guy. He deserves it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ethan Ewing, my God. He was... So strong and so sharp. He, he took down Zhao. He overpowered Griffin. And I think that first match with Felipe, it's probably the heat of the year, if not yes. more. So now I can say I'm fully addicted to that feeling of being in a grand final moment and knowing everything's on the line and can you do it? I'm totally addicted to it. And that's why I want more. I'm Dave Prodan, host of the World Surf League's premier podcast, The Lineup. Listen to The Lineup with Dave Prodan wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go back to uh, Hawaii for a second, though, because uh, you guys spent a ton of time over there. And yeah. I think like Parker yeah. and I always were, we knew, we were pretty lucky to get to know you guys from, I think, a pretty young age mm-hmm. and looked up to you, you guys probably more than you ever knew. Mm-hmm. Uh And I was always really inspired by it. Like it felt like you, you know, you may be leading Heath and Dan. I don't know. They could maybe say also otherwise, but like you guys were always sort of just blazing your own path. It's, it felt like to us. And I always thought that was super inspirational. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that when, when we were kids, there was this thing of like you had you had to go to the North Shore, yeah, and you had to charge because mm-hmm. if you went there and you sucked, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, this that's stopped at next, mm-hmm. you know, like you weren't gonna make it as a pro surfer. Totally. And so you know, like coming from our area, you know, maybe Brownie had spent some time there, probably like was pretty close with Uncle D. Like Brownie charged and had respect on the North Shore, um, and then you guys, I mean, like Dane and Bobby surfed really well over there, but I never really thought they didn't put like as much time in there, but yeah, you those guys, those guys Dan, were, like post it up. Yeah, we posted up for sure. Like my, my, my Hawaiian family is, I stab very close with and, and you know, the Hill family and, um, they took care of so many of us guys. They really, really did. Like we used to be, oh, so that's so great. We got to crash all those years and eat all those years and melt down at your house for a day. You know, like you were like, like it was a, a really, um, to this day, stay, stay in close touch, and that's a the getting to be with the Hawaiians meant a lot to us. To this day, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like the I think that someone, you and me, and you know, there's those of us who really appreciate the history of surfing mm-hmm. and like the roots and kind of like the way. Like I, I love the way that the hierarchy worked in Hawaii. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, like. There's those guys. There's I fit in here somewhere, you yeah. know. Like okay, like yeah. I could, you know, boom, boom. 
And it just was like, you know, you kind of had to like respect it and you had to respect those people. And it kind of just, everyone sort of like fell in the line. And if you didn't, it was like, hey, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just like taking the deep breath and like realizing that, that like, um, that just shut the fuck up and do what you're told. And there's plenty for everybody and do that for a while. And you're going to end up with friends. You know what I mean? It's not complicated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you're just perceptive and you grew up at Rincon where there was an order and you're like, okay, I get this. You know what I mean? And it's better for everybody. You know, I mean, that's crazy. Now I think lineups, maybe, I don't know, there's gotta be somewhere where it still exists, but I mean, even at home, like even I was just on the North shore, like it's sort of gone this, that the way it was, you know, gone back to how it was. No, no. It's like that, oh. that order and like uh, sort of that hierarchy in a lineup yeah. just feels like it's, it's like a free for all now sure. most places. Yeah. I actually think, you know, it's rad. Like I, I'm all for, I mean, we all love surfing, like more people, we want more people to love surfing, right? It's a great thing to do, but there's definitely something to be said about that kind of hierarchy. And, and I think it's safer in a lineup, you know, when you have like kids out who are like eight and 10 and haven't served pipe and they're out there just like, Oh yeah, I saw that one kid get an Instagram clip and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, like the kids are getting hurt and people going over the falls and dropping in and boom, there's no like that order of, so it's kind of gone. Yeah. And I've noticed in the last, like, you know, like for a while now, you know, you have people come in to surfing and, um, react, you know, and usually it's a headline surf rage, right? Like they love it. Right. They have nothing to do with surfing. Like, to them, it's just another thing to sport fuck. You know, they're here for the story. Let's see how we can make people either pissed off, angry, jealous, mad, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, And so, you know, you you read all the different stuff, get everybody's opinion, everybody's experiences, right? You know? Um, At the end of the day, a lineup, a respectful lineup, um, you can't fuck with that. Like a resp- having like nobody can say, well, you know, we're gonna we're, we don't know if that's the best for everybody. No, it starts with respect. You have respect for the place you're at, the people you're with, and it's better for everybody in the long run. You know, like the, these people don't realize they're saying like, no, we just want to make a free for all. Like we want to make a free for all. That's what we want. And and um, it's not about violence. It's not about beating people up. It's not about yelling. Like you and I have grown up surfing with the silverbacks that like. You know, every every place has a different brand of 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 um, garnering respect. But like in our zone, like those the dudes that that you really watched out for um, didn't talk. <laughs> you knew, you know, like you could read a dude and be like, "Ooh, as a twelve year old, ain't fucking with that dude." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sitting at indicator anymore. I'm not sitting on the reef up, da 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 da, whatever. I'm like, I did that for ten years, and it was still fun. Yeah, you know, it was still fun. And then one day, the guy's like. You're up next. Like, how incredible is it for those dudes to even talk to you? And that feeling of sort of like working your way up, you know, being yeah. a kid, putting time in on the yeah. inside the ground ball, where I belonged, you yeah. know, and watching sort of this thing that, okay, someday maybe I'll be out there mm-hmm. with the boys, like getting a real wave, you know, and then the day that that came was so <laughs> yeah. rewarding, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the thing that like, theoretically, you know, we talk like, uh, I forget somebody compared it to tragedy of the commons. And we talk about like how important surfing is to us in terms of just like, you know, getting to go jump in the ocean for a day is means a lot to us, you know? And we all 
we all cheat, right? Because, man, like, it's like that thing. But if we're all of the same mindset, then it's like, um, you can just have a lot more fun, man. And, like, there's no bitchy shit talking. There's no none of that. You know, it's like, how fun is it when you're in a lineup of chaos and you don't want to be the dude? Like, you have all the bona fides, you do, to go out and just, like, hold court and get every single wave, just like some of our friends have done. Um, but you have the restraint and, and you're like, your example is going to, you know, your example. Oh, this is what I was getting at for it. So you growing up, how fun would it be when you don't want to be the enforcer? You could, but you don't want to. And one of the boys paddles out and just everybody sits up like chirps or barks. Everybody sits up and it's so great because just by him telling you how many beers he had last night or some chick, some people go, oh, okay. There's order out here. Yeah, I can't be a dick. <laughs> I can't be a thief. I can't be a walleye freaking like a uh, moron in this lineup. Like I will be held accountable. And that goes back to my other thing is like an order with respect in it and accountability. You can't fuck with either one of those things. And that's all the guys that have been born and bred in that world, it's like, that's all, that's all they're asking for. Like, take your fucking surf rage, all your, your taglines, all your headlines and stir in the pot. Every walk of life has assholes. We, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say any names, but I know a few guys that like, they, they were actually paddling out to fight. Like, they didn't surf that good. So they, and they, they were hung up about it and, um, they would no exaggeration fight every session. You know, this is not at home, but other spots. And um, there, there's that. that. That's not surfing. Yeah, that's not that guy's going to fight in a, at Foodland. Yeah. He's gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, and they did. So that got confused as, as a surf mentality. And then you get like Nat got, got mucked out bad in Australia one year. He was being Nat in the lineup, you know. And for all the thousands of beautiful waves that that, that man has caught, you know, like his little zone, like a, like that's the thing that the whole world knows about, you know, is that was being that and somebody, somebody had had enough of it, you know, and then it was, it could have been done there, but the media just loves white sharks, fights, fucking hundred foot, fucking whatever. Like that's what they go to. It's okay. Yeah. Classic. Huh? Did yeah. you, uh, when, when you were young and you started surfing pipeline, I know, um, We've talked about this, you know, like you're not going to get a good, you're probably not going to get a good wave. It's almost worse. Like I remember when, when I was young feeling like it was almost bad to get a good wave. Right. Because I got the good wave that oh, someone okay. else wanted. So, and you're like, fuck, I, oh shit, I didn't get that wave. You know, you like know, it you, was almost better to be the guy getting the shitty clothes out and the boys would be like, oh yeah, sick. Yeah. Sick clothes out. You know, like, totally. and I remember Parker and I sitting on the beach with you when we were kids and you're like, yeah. Boys, like freaking, go over there and just pack some big clothes out. <laughs> we're like, all right, let's do it. And I look back now, man. I I was like, this the year Andy passed away. We flew over to his memorial in Kauai. We flew back to the North Shore, and there was this just mental swell at pipe the next day, and it was like everyone was on it. Like all the boys were out, mm -hmm. uh, and it was firing, but mm -hmm. it was really crowded. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna go surf yeah. off the wall. Yeah. Cause there was no one out. Sure. I was like, I remember like, Oh yeah. I remember seeing a couple of guys. I didn't even barely knew where it was. Yeah. I'm going to go sit over there. Yeah. And like, I pulled into these closeouts. I got a couple of pretty good waves actually too. 
but I packed a couple of closeouts that were so big and gnarly. I look back now and I'm like, what were you doing? What was, what I, was I thinking? thinking? Yeah. Like, how did Me I survive too. those Me waves? Because oh. now I, I won't do totally. that. Well, the, 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 here's the thing. is It's a precarious way to get um, to get a spot, to get an opportunity, right? It's very precarious. Um, but no, you got to imagine all the other guys, even the Groms you're surfing with, like they grew up going to Sunset Elementary. And so everybody, even if they're like, all right, Grom, you're sitting in the back of the line. They know who they are. probably know their dad. The guy's our age, you know, at that time. Um, so like, again, I don't suggest this, that, that method that, that we did just go out and just get a bunch of, and it, what it does is it puts you on the radar and they're like, if that little fucker gets a chance, he'll go. We know that. And at Pipe, that's kind of a big part of it. So they're like, cool, check, he, he'll go. <laughs> and then they'll give you something like a little, I'll never forget, it meant a lot to me and Kainoa probably wouldn't even remember it, but we're sitting, I think they like call it like the Wakita Bowl now or something. That, that, deep, that, that deep little sort of thing. like almost left off yeah. like ants. It's almost like coming yes. from ants. Yeah. My, that, was, that was like where I like to sit too, you know, and uh, Wakita, what a freaking legend, dude. I have stories about him in Okinawa, me and him just like, it's for another time, but that guy's a legend. And when I heard they're calling it the Wakita Bowl, I was so happy because he came into it. Oh, pipeline. Hawaii, like, you know, very like, this is the thing, you know, and um, but, but anyway, I'm just happy that about that. So I'm sitting that in that zone-ish, you know, and Kaino McGee sits there a lot too. He sits wherever the fuck he wants because he's going to make it. Um, and he's all, <laughs> this one came in and he was just like, he like gave it a sniff and he was like, okay, I'm going to up. And I'm like, oh fuck. You know, it was one of those just like. Not I had a lot of ways like that, but this one, like, I don't know, it was makeable, and it was, like, probably not going to be a good thing, you know? And, like, 20 minutes later, um, I re I saw him. We were in the same spot, and he was like, fuck, did you break your board? Reef cuts? What? And I'm like, I made it. And I, I think I was more surprised than he was, but after that, kind of always, boy! Like, and then, because... I know he's treating you like a human being. Then other guys are like, cool, I'm not going to kick his ass. I'll yell at him, fade him. But I'm not going to kick his ass. Kainoa came with Kainoa, or he's with Kainoa. You know what I mean? And so I've had really good luck with that. And I, and just kind of kind of hustling, you know? Like Marvin, for some reason, really liked my brothers and I. I used to I used to mess around um, with the uh, those lefts that I made a little bit. And he had started that project. <laughs> Maybe Jose Angel may have back in the day, but I know Marvin was. So that so was gnarly. that was kind of our little like, hey, Chris, what's the left? What's in the left? We go. And like, you'd be like, oh, dude, if he says that thing at the end, then we have to, which is we go. What's it going to, you know? So that's super helpful to have. And, and, and that just doesn't come free. You know, you have to like show that you're, that you want that you want to be a part of it, you know. You want to that you're willing, you know the odds, you know. And so um, that helped us a lot, just having that respect and gave us opportunities, you know. But I I also didn't. I I actually haven't even thought about this in a long time. But there w certainly was a palpable point when it was like, how's these three Holly kids? They're freaking. They'll go like they're fun. They're freaking. They buy beer, whatever. They're fun. Um, that lasted for a long time, and it was like really felt taken taken in by the Hawaiians, you know. 
And there was a point, and it would have been in like 2000, early 2000s too, where it's like, okay, we're all on the North Shore. We're all hustling kind of for the same piece of pie, right? We're all serving pipe back door, the reefs when they break, sneaking to Narlu in the summer, Chopu, whatever, hustling. And I felt like there was a point where like boys were like, all right, you guys got enough. Like, you know, like, did you think part of the plan that you were going to get the best waves out here? Like, cause that's not part of the plan. <laughs> in, in There was no conversation. There was no nothing, but that's kind of how I felt. So that's when um, I was like, man, we've been hanging around the equator a lot at that point, you know, and then every, it, you know, people were hanging around the equator and, the whole like Chopu thing just kind of was like such a huge part of my life that just disappeared overnight. You know, when Corey got that, well, when Laird got his wave and then I was somehow like, somebody came home with a sheet of slides and they're like, check this out. And imagine like projecting Chopu for the last four summers and then he got that one and I was like, that's the one we've been waiting for this whole time. Or hoping for a chance at, cause it was either too big or just fun medium. It wasn't that like magic size, but it spooked me off. I kind of never, never kind of was like, cool. The kids, they're going to do shit I can't do out here, you know? So, you know, I, I just think what those kids are doing at Mulligmore is just amazing. It's so neat to see. And like, um, this batch of kids, man, like Nick Von Rapp and you guys. And, um, I'm not in that batch of kids. But, but, I, I never but, really got into the But you guys charge. But I'm saying, like, those, those guys in particular, Nick and uh, Luca Padua, um, right before them was, like, Cole and Ramon. But, like, I share, like, this, like, cool kinship. I don't even know um, Nick um, and Luca, but the other guys. I, I, I keep in touch with those with, with those guys. But they have that thing where they're, like, Big giant water, epic. Let's go. Fun, rippable waves, but they're 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 there for that slab, that thing, that left slab, and like, uh, it's just so fun to watch watch that progression, you know, of sure. those spots that you project for so long, and then you just you're like, I'm tapping out, man. I got I got a kid due in like a month. Like musical chairs, boys. <laughs> I can't do it. That first few years, not chasing it was really hard. Mm -hmm. Super messes with your head. Um. <clears throat> I had, luckily I had a friend, his name's Stephen Kotler, who's uh, really, he wrote a book called The Rise of Superman, and it really talks about that sort of relationship <clears throat> with big waves in terms of like dopamine, serotonin, all those cortisol, all those things that as a kid, you don't, you're like, you know, you don't know why you're so driven or so amped or what keeps pulling you back. And I thought it was kind of hocus pocus stuff, you know, how he's breaking down the physicality, you know, in the neuroscience of, of why we keep going back and doing that thing. Uh, yeah. And again, I didn't, I was like, okay, that sounds cool, man. Like, let's just have dinner. I never didn't understand it. And now, um, these years later, I'm like, God, you know, that totally makes sense now. You know, like there's always something, I don't know, something about like Roger Erickson or Mark Fu. Bradshaw, Brock, Ross Clark, like all the guys that that uh, see that and decide that's what they are going to do. They're a little, I think they're a little, so, a little off, a little off. <laughs> Did you feel like that? Oh yeah. Like what? What drew yeah. you into that? What drew it into into the big wave? What you know, like drew going me left to big waves? Yeah. 
surfing all this crazy well, shit, the- wanting to paddle out at Mulligmore with no one around, with not a, not a, no one even to, you know, like today people, it's like there's cameras everywhere. Oh yeah, I got, like it goes viral on the internet. You know, you're just, yeah. like, I'm just going to go surf that by myself. If you, yeah. no one would have even known if you never came back. <laughs> I think that I might get credit for like trying these big lefts, but like it, I'm goofy foot. <laughs> So if the, if the if the big wave and there's any possibility to be on my front side, it just made sense. I always say that about Mavericks. It's like it wasn't a leap of faith for me. As I just felt like I saw that the thing was just um, could go square, and I knew you couldn't get in on it. Um, so there's just a threat through the through the right. You know, I'm like I figured that out. Figured that part out, and it, it and at that time there'd be five guys out. You know. Um, and so, yeah, it's just goofy foot. And I just felt, no, with no, yeah, that goes back to the pipeline thing of like the crowd and how big a factor it is on, on the big ones, on, on real ones. And there was just never, nobody, nobody going left. So that's kind of, and then Mulligan Moore and those waves are just, and it does have something to do with um, growing up where we grew up. You and I grew up is just the land of rights, you know? So to, to, I got good at pig dogging. You know, but then it wasn't until it got equatorial that I was able to, like, you know, that's where kind of everything, you know, G-Land and macaronis, chopu, all a, a lot of good laughs out there. So, you know, I haven't been surfing lately. I go outside and with a cold hose on the ranch and just sit under a freezing cold as the sun <laughs> comes up. If, no way, really? Yeah, I've just been body surfing, pushing kids into waves and uh, cold hosing it. You got to go surf. Let's go. But see, the thing is, I don't want to go surfing with you because I, I want to go fishing with you. <laughs> so we did that. Now we because, go surf. because I'll never forget one time you're so cool and humble and you were like, hey, man, would you take me fishing? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, like I, f- yeah, I'm like, great. Like that, that'll be fun. You know, we had some beers and stuff. Within like 20 minutes, I'm like, you could outfish me all day. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> and, 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 and So fast forward. Like, yeah, last summer was in, was such a, I mean, obviously to um, to get to go for Coop, especially to get to go fishing with you. And then you put us on so much. It was just so much fun fishing and such good harvest. And Cooper's just like talked about Connor every day, every day. And he, what would Connor think? Dad, can we, we're going to go bass fishing. Can we take Connor? Like, it's just like you're part of his fishing lore forever. That's I mean, those so fish cool. that were we were getting on the deck were bi- literally bigger than him. Yeah, that one halibut you guys caught was bigger than Coop. It was Easy. insane. That was so Easy. fun. It's and so then, cool sharing something that you love with, I mean, a kid, you know, and totally. just seeing how fired up he was. And also, like, I was so impressed on how fast he learned. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. And I've taken some people fishing yeah. a few times, and, yeah. like, they're still all on how to do that. And Coop was like, Connor, I think that I think that rod's hitting the bottom a little bit. And I'm all, yeah, yeah, go wind it up. He's yeah. so on it. Yeah. It was insane. Well, he's he, eight. Yeah, he's eight. That yeah. Was nuts. It was so cool. Well, he's a, he's the youngest in the family and he um has grown up with older siblings and his godfather on the ranch side of things is like, you know, same with fishing, same with like on the ranch side. It's like he's rolling with dudes that like they're gonna show you once. <laughs> so he knows like learn now or you just get left behind. You know, so, so he's, um, yeah, he's a quick learner and, um, like we're still eating that halibut by the way. And like Coop on like a Wednesday, I'll be like, dad, can we have a halibut night? And he, so this is 
This is kind of cute. He doesn't like fish. <laughs> really? No, he does not like fish. And he is the fishiest fishing kid you will ever meet in your life. And he'll eat it. But I know him. And he's just like, this is so good. Like, usually at like 12, you start getting into like fish more, you know? Yeah. Like he's still in, he's still eating little kid food, you know? Like, give him, he'll, he'll, he'll fish like a man and, and you give him a Capri Sun and he's psyched. You know? I, I remember that day I had to literally like, you guys met us at the harbor at 5.30. So yeah. you probably were up at 3.30. Oh, yeah. I literally, Cooper did not stop fishing the whole day. Yeah. At night, he was in my, I have a the trash can. Yeah. It's like a whatever, you yeah. know, extra tough trash can filled with hot water off the engine. He's in there in his board shorts with a fishing pole in his hand at 9.30 at night. Yeah. I'm like, Cooper, go to bed. <laughs> uh, Tomorrow's a new day. He'll be 10 miles away from... The, um, the coast and just be like, have like, okay, dad, if we're freshwater today, I got my salt water. I got my, I got these jigs. I got, he's like super, I have to go like, Hey, but so for sure, 100 million percent, we aren't, we don't get the fish today. So we can't, that means we don't talk about fishing. You can go to the barn and like do whatever you want out there and like find a water trough and fish in it, whatever. I'm not taking you fishing today. Cause he will not stop. It's like that little mouse in the cartoon. Are we so going? Are we going? Are we going? Are we going? Is the wind good? Dad, is the wind good? Are there waves? Are you going to just surf or are we going to fish? Like he, yeah, he, surfing to him is like kind of like, like, uh, like why? You know, he's like, but, uh, you know, like, so then this summer, I'm like, you know what? I need to get him surfing just so he can. Just like with all my kids, I'm like, you don't have to shred, but like, you have to be able to, like, I want you to be able to get barreled because we're going to be, you're going to be in places where you're going to, you're going to want to get barreled, right? Like, for sure. Um, and uh, I take him and like, I'm just laying on the back of this old, like this skip fry thing I have. And so, and he's like riding this wave. It's all crystal clear. And like, I'm like, yeah, man, he's getting hooked. Like I'm like, a, I'm getting him hooked, you know, selfishly. Cause if he's into surfing, I get to surf more like every dad does. And I'm like, after this session, it's going to be like, he's going to be like, He's going to be hooked. So at least when we, you know, he'll be ready. And right as we're getting ready to kick out, Uncle Keith had smacked a super nice white sea bass in like 10 feet of water. And he's coming in and Lucas and me and Cooper are about to kick out. And Uncle Keith's just holding this big giant white sea bass that's not even dead yet right in Cooper's face. And I'm like, there went any chance that the surfing is going to be talked about at the end of the day. Oh, surfing. just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fish. So. Classic. So I think that when it comes to the point, like surfers get, um, they get, they get the chicks and stuff. So I think that maybe, maybe that'll be his, his draw. Knowing Cooper, I feel like there's no way he won't end up being a surfer in some capacity. Some capacity. Yeah. For sure. He likes to have fun. And oh. someday I'll be all, Whoa, that oh, was fun. Totally. hundred percent. Well, he loves his radio and that's, his, his big thing, but, uh, I mean, he's eight, he's eight. So we'll see, you know what, in 10 years, who knows what that could be up to. What was epic about Cooper was I love the part when we get to the dock, maybe the second trip, the second trip, I think it was. And, um, so great. And so we we're at the dock. We got like so much fit. We're at the dock. We have so much fish and like, it was just the best day ever. And then I'm, we're like, doing a quick cleanup, not like a full cleanup. And then, um, Coop starts angling for the, 
bigger like so now what do we got we got like we probably had like 15 fish on the boat probably 13 or 14 or something yeah, yeah. um Cooper starts angling for like the biggest fish. Like he, he's going to take the two biggest, like, you know, when we, at the end of the day split up and, and I love, I loved it. Um, do you remember saying this? You're all Grom, Grom, put that back. He's like, I was just going to, I think I caught these two ones. And you're like, no, we all caught fish together. Those are all our fish. And you handed him two fish that were killer halibut, but he wanted the big one. And then you said, uh, you're all, you know what, when you get a boat and you get all, all the fishing gear, buy fuel and, and, and go out there. Like you get to pick whatever fish you want to. And he, it was so great because I didn't say anything. And I was just, I just kind of was like, I was just like, perfect, perfect. Keep going, keep going. And Coop just stood there like wide eyed and it soaked into his head so good. Like, and I never, and I never said anything. And that was the end of it. That's funny. I, I wanted to talk one more thing about maybe people don't really know about you, Chris. I mean, you, Keith and Dan, that you, you've told me that you pretty much managed you guys. I don't know. You ever talk about that? Does anyone know that? Um, that what? Like you were, you were your, you and your brother's managers. Oh yeah. Well, so when we were, when we were coming up, there was, there were really like managers things. Like if somebody, Tommy Carroll had one for a little bit. Um, who else? Like, uh, well, Kelly had some support and stuff, you know, but it wasn't really, I don't, it wasn't really a thing. So it wasn't like, okay, we need to get our manager. Okay, we'll just do it. It was like, okay, we got to do this. We got to kind of navigate this stuff. And um, and then there was a couple times where managers approached us and they were like, yeah, this is going to be cool. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, they, and then we get like 15%. And I'm like, I don't understand what that dude gets in. And then, he, and then those, those are the same dudes that try to put you in like Arby's. Or put, you know, like do something you don't want to do, you know. Uh, and so I just sort of like was lucky to have like whether it was like Bob Hurley or Paul Gomez or Brandon Willard or Yvonne Chouinard, like make a promise and like in one way or another stay true to it. And they just took a like gamble. And then we just, I was able to like work with Keith and Dan and like, sometimes open like conversation where we're really focused on like how something was going to go. But a lot of the times, more of the times it was like, Hey, um, it's going to be pumping. I'm going to go see what's happening at Mavericks. And like, Keith's like, well, fuck, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And Dan's like, I'm going to go to Todos. And it was like unwittingly where we were just like everywhere at once, you know? So it was fun to, help negotiate some of that stuff. There was not, there was never for us much negotiation. Like there was such a momentum moving towards kind of where that cottage industry that surfing was like, it was, I don't think it knew where it was going, but it was going, there was a lot going on. And, and, um, and so it really was more personal relationships. And that made me as the one that was sort of figuring that stuff out to like sit with a Chad Denena, you know, um, or a Dave Kennedy. Those guys were all like, not only like, you know, supported us enough to get to the next spot. They were, um, kind of like mentors in a way like they not mentors. They weren't mentors. They were, they saw what they could see what was going to happen in surfing over the next 20 years, probably ish, you know, where we just saw the, the next day or the next swell, you know, and those guys were like, no, come here, you guys. You know, 
like early on back early like in my early 20s like having dave kennedy take me aside and be like so you you guys got a thing here that you could do today and i'm like i don't know man and he was he was definitely um like good timing for him to sort of be like no you if you keep doing what you're doing there's good you know you're gonna get to make some cool stuff and see some cool stuff and so those it wasn't a tumultuous, weird, antagonistic type relationships that we ever had um, during that. So, like, it wasn't. And the, and those, the people that we were working with, like, they tr- they acted accordingly because I didn't I didn't sick a dog on them. Like, I didn't bring in somebody to just that was solely focused on more, you know. And I think that they they were like, cool if we can just be people about it and not be assholes. Like, I really, you know, I. You you're doing something that's great for what we're doing, and we w- want to be a part of it. That's how it always felt. Like, hey, we want to be a part of that. And, and um, for the most part, those people always just took such good care of us, and we maintain we we relationships, you know, to this day. So, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was it was manage. I would never say I'd manage my brothers. I just helped kind of connect a few dots, you know. They were out surfing better than I could. <laughs> I'm like, good, <laughs> shoot those guys. <laughs> like, like, I'll I'll go take I'll go, you know, do some meeting, some place at you know in Costa Mesa or something. That was that was never. I'd seen hard work before. You know, I grew up with my dad, and I was like, this ain't hard work. <laughs> you know, go sit and have a nice lunch with somebody that wants to help you. You know, and, um, yeah, I think that was real informative. For sure. It seemed like back then, because even when I started writing for Hurley, yeah. I felt that, yeah. you know, we went down and me, my dad brought Parker and I down. Like Brian Orozco was the first person who set us up with Hurley. And uh, Brian Orozco, dude, we got to talk about that legend yeah. for a second after though. Keep yeah. Uh, and so Brian brought us down and, you know, we met uh, Bob, Bob Hurley and Jeff and all those guys. And it was such a cool experience. And uh, it felt like you were, a part of the same, <clears throat> the goal was the same, you sure, know, sure. the, even though they were on the business side of it, sure. but they were creating this brand, they were creating something to support the thing that we all loved. Right. And, uh, it's interesting somewhere along the way, it seems like it all, it all changed in the surf world for the most part. I'd say like, yeah, we got the now tail. it's got like, it. okay, the people that had these visions yeah. and we all were kind of like on the same, like, okay, well, how can we all like, what's this thing around surfing? We all just sure. love surfing. Let's make sure. this a living, you know? And sure. obviously someone's, we're all making money. We're all living off this thing that we love to do. Like that's the yeah. dream, right? Yeah. And then you get the guys that come in and buy the brands and they squeeze sure. them and they don't give a fuck that sure. Chris Malloy wants to go make a surf film. They're uh-huh. like, yeah, cool. Well, we'll take that hundred grand and we'll like stick that with yeah. the investors or in yeah. the bank at the end of the year. And yeah. it's crazy to have just seen the way the industry's from all sides, you know, all the major brands now, it's like this thing that we all love and care about. Totally. It's not really like supporting that isn't really the goal. It's like the surfers want to make enough money to surf and live. And the companies want to make all the money to give back to the investors because they bought this company for a certain amount of money. So it's, it's just a crazy shift. I feel like to where before it it was kind of like a like-minded mentality from the company and the surfers. Sure. Sure. And I think, I think like, It'd be interesting to get your take on that if it's no that's great i think that that's insightful i think that uh the shift happened in my eyes when like 
when surfers, so before the guys that own the companies were just like, they saw that that could work to get them. They're like, sell less drugs, sell t-shirts, <laughs> more t-shirts. And that was a viable kind of shift in, in somebody's career. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we were all in on it. We were all in on it. Even when, like in the, in like 89, 90, early nineties, like we were all in on it. Like Bob Hurley's a surf junkie. Like all the guys that like supported us back in the day, like they were, we were just part of their scam to ha do cool shit and surf, you know? So they understood, we were, we were, we were drinking the same Kool-Aid in terms of like manage family, pay your bills and surf, maximum amount of surfing, traveling, going, making shit like that. And it was like, they understood because they're the same guys. And the shift happened when dudes were, were running shit that didn't, they weren't as toey to surf, to be in the ocean, to like really like, like forsake so much else. I'm like, this is what, it, this is my lot in life. I'm, just, I'm gonna do that. So when we go in all, all fricking got the crazy eye about a project and we're like, dude, fuck the shit's about to go down in the next three days. Like it is never gonna happen again. And we need, <laughs> I need 50 grand right now just don't ask any questions. Like you could do that with Yvonne. Like most of the film that work that I did for Patagonia, I started production on that before Patagonia knew. <laughs> I would go in there and be like, we're making such a cool film this spring. And they're like, cool, what are your ideas? I'm like, well, I'll just show you because I'm almost <laughs> done. And then they would be like, you, like, you know better, you can't just spring in this on us. And then, and then every time, every time they would be like, oh, this is really cool. Okay. Next time, tell us you're going to, because that, the, at Patagonia, the client, it was climber surfers, you know? So it was like, you freaking good scam. They'd like wink at you like, good job. Like you got another day on your trip or you got, you know, before you had to go <clears throat> help open up a store in Japan or New York or whatever. That was, a, you know, during that happening during that time, uh, so now guys don't get that. I think I've, when I've went at sometimes in the surf world that have kind of come to it, they're like, like they're not, they're not crazy. Like we are, <laughs> they're like, that doesn't really add up. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, you're missing the whole thing. Like this, this whole thing's about taking chances, <laughs> you know? And, and, um, that's uncomfortable, understandably for, for the business aspect that's involved in surfing now. And like, I wouldn't bet on me if I was them either. So whatever. <laughs> gonna right. gonna get up early and make cool shit every day. That's all I always say. Like, I've walked. I've been blessed to work in all kinds of different stuff, you know. And I'm always like, never been to the point where I was like, I don't want to. I I I don't care about getting up early and checking the checking the conditions, like wherever I am, and like go do cool shit today. You know, uh, that, that's like kind of what it boils down to, and. And if there's like, and if a dude gets hired to come into this thing that is so nuanced, which is, you know, surfing and all the trappings that come along with it, you know, it'd be like, they don't, they're not going to take a chance. They're not going to, has got to add up. And, and, and we as, we as athletes have to understand that too, because at the end of the day, like, like if the lights go off, and we're off on some harebrained bullshit, like, and the party's, oh, party stops, right? Therein lies the scam. Yeah. Like, how are you gonna, 
How do you well, like? What's your? How did you? How are you? It used to be more creative for sure on how guys would pull it off. And a lot of the stories will never be told, but yeah, I mean, it's it's everybody's got their own kind of like. Um, it's fun for me to watch too because it isn't. It is a sort of a a unique life path, you know. And I've always been watching the older surfers, everybody from, you know, Peter Cole and George Greeno and Bob McT like hung and watched and like, and you go like, Oh, all these guys and they, you know, all pick different ways of, of pulling it off and keeping, keep, keeping going and manage, you know, family life and everything. And, um, that's been super informative for me to be like, that's kind of tragic in the end. We all know the guy that's like try try to make it for too long, and he he knows it. We all know it, but he keeps doing that for another five years, and that girl finally is over it, and then he's like left at a you know just being like shit. It's not that you can surf too much. You can't surf too much. It's just like how you like how when and I tell you what, all you groms out there, teach your wife or your girlfriend how to surf because <laughs> it's like. It goes from like, are we going to the beach today? To like, no, for sure we're going to check the waves. You know, little tip of a married dude with kids: get them all surfing. Get them all it. surfing. Uh, on that note, would you have any advice for kids who are, you know, maybe coming up in today's day and age who want to be a pro surfer, or try to carve their own path through surfing and Take that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like, I think for the next generation coming up, like, if you have a true north in terms of, like, you know, it's, it's not weird to question, like, why you're surfing, right? You know, and hopefully it's a few things, you know, but it's, like, if you stay true to, like, why you're surfing and why you're pushing yourself, um, that allows you to really focus and get better. And when you're, when you're doing really well, like people want to be a part of what you're doing, you know? And so I think focusing really more on just kind of what you're doing, like what, if you, if like what you're doing and, and, um, because I think right now kids are just getting so scattered, right? You see like a kid do something and then the world is in love with them. And then like next week, that kids work so hard. He did the thing. He got famous, and it's just like kind of over, and it's just never ending thing. So it's like that has to be, I imagine, for the you know the the kids now, the generation right now is like overwhelming, you know. So it's like deep breath, what like focus on your surfing and everything that goes along. What you you know what you want to do, where you want to go, you know how like what boards you're going to be riding. Like focus on that. You know, and and um, I also think that if I was going to say to the next generation, like, you are on the road all year. Your life is the road. It's trains, planes, automobiles, and tide and wind and everything. Like, you, there's no excuse that you don't come out of 10 years of surf travel um, with, like, 18,000 pounds of books that you've read. Like, it's a, such an amazing way to, like, it's like a free education. You just take like six books wherever you go, if you can. You know what I mean? Like that is because um, surfing, your surfing life, like at the end of the day, it'll be yours and you're going to 
get, you know, like it's a personal thing on what you really draw from it and how, you know, what it, how that plays out over time. But, um, your surfing is better and you enjoy it more when you, when you do have a full blown other, other stuff in your life, you know, like we all know guys without naming names that like, you know, all year sitting at that one, at one spot, you know, and just hanging like kind of no, nothing else going on, which is amazing in its own way. The, the, those, those characters, but like you can surf all day and still have a total life, you know, you can, totally. you can, and it's easy to get caught up. I think with social media and everything now where it's just like, you feel like, I imagine the kids just feel like they're in this tornado of like no certainty, you know, like mm-hmm. the, like, and it's all in the ether. So simple. It was I, so much simpler for us guys, you know, like I was this tacked out. There's this, this tactile magazine that came out once a month. You, you, you lived all through that. You know, you remember it. And it was like, cool, that happened. There it is. It's on the coffee table. And that is surf history. Now that happened. You know what I mean? And like now it's like, I mean, there's like crazy stuff that's happening right now. And um, I'll be like, did you see the one? And like super informed people that are on it are like, no, what, what happened? Because, because there's all these like different um, galaxies of information out there. And like, you can't, you can't, you know, the surfing is splintered off, which I think is healthy, but it's um, to be like a, a pro these days, like, it's hard. It's got to be hard to satiate all the demands, you know? Yeah. I feel like you just said so much cool shit in the last three minutes. There was like 50 different things that <laughs> I thought of talking about there. But I, I mean, a couple of big takeaways for me. And like, I, I agree. Um, it is because I lived through that transition, maybe even more like than you did as a pro yeah, surfer. That's a good, that's a good point. Yep. And it is, it's really hard with the social media. It's like you post some clip and it's like, Oh cool. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Then there's like, but there's 50 million other ones that day. And some, then some guy got some crazy wave at Mollick and you're like, Oh, that cutback I did at Rincon stupid, you know? And I feel like if you get caught up in that, like, Oh, likes and followers and all mm-hmm. this shit on there, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I, I maybe in some weird way, some of that stuff matters. But mm-hmm. like, if you go back to what you said and you just really go back to focusing on like you're surfing. Yeah what you believe in, what you're inspired by, and then like creating the person that you want to be and then just trying to be more like you and walk through life more like you every day. I just feel like, you know, you're going to be interested in what you're going to be interested. You're going to do your thing, surfing, whatever that is. But like people are going to want to be a part of that if you're a good person and you're doing rad shit. And like, I think that was kind of like something I took away from you guys. Like probably more than anyone was you guys were really fucking good surfers, but you like did it in your own way and you're always doing cool shit. And you know, maybe that was also like a bit of the ranch lifestyle and just like really embracing like where you're from and what your family was about and like all these ideals. And I was like, Oh, that's, I want to be like that, you know? And it's like, well, what, what matters to me? And then you said that thing about reading books, you know, it's like, I always had this kind of, I always wanted to be a surfer. Mm-hmm. That was what I wanted to do. Cause yeah. I didn't want to really like go get a job. Yep. <laughs> a real one. <laughs> I, I do that. Cause I went and worked for my dad a few times doing construction. I was like, fuck, all right. Surfing is pretty sick. I got to do this for a while, yeah. which was great. Great perspective. But like, I always had this, uh, this thirst for like knowledge and being more than just a surfer because I wanted to be able to roll into a room with like 
someone who didn't surf right. and not have them think I'm Spicoli sure. in fast times, you sure. know? Sure. Yeah. Like I wanted to be able to talk about mm -hmm. shit, you know, yeah. and like real yeah. life stuff and be yeah. interested in more than just mm -hmm. surfing, you know? Cause, yeah. and I don't know, maybe that's like a bit of a weird insecurity because I felt like growing up we were pigeonholed like as, Oh, your kids surf like oh. right on, you know, like fucking smoking weed and throwing shockers. Right. Like, you know, but right. little did they know we were like having this insane life experience, like saving some mm -hmm. dough and like meeting these fucking amazing people, yeah. like learning about business and marketing sure. and the world and culture, like all this shit through surfing, you know, totally. like I can't think of one other thing in this life that I probably could have done that would have given me this life. And well, that's, I just think that's so cool about surfing, you know? Absolutely. It scares me when I think about like, if I didn't like somehow land into like getting to do this, you know, like, cause, um, yeah, think about it for a second. And I mean, it's like, it, it, it's, it's a lot of things that I wish I had done and the, like, oh, I could have done that, could have done that. But like, I don't know. It just seems like it fits. And all the cool stuff, like because of surfing and your upbringing with your dad and your brothers, like then you went on to do all this other amazing yep. things that sort of stem just for this love of surfing, you know, like you may never have gotten into making films and this whole career that blossomed out of your love for surfing. Totally. You know? No, it, it is, it is, um, it definitely like going back to what I would say to the kids is like, if you are, you know, blessed enough to have the ability to get, to, to get paid to surf, it's just like <clears throat> the people you're going to meet, like you might not even sit there and like, um, talk for a day with the person, but you meet them and then, they have something that's amazing and you're like, Hey, you know what? In 10 years I could call that person. And I've done that so many times and be like, Hey, um, you know, I'm going to be in this zone and try to be reciprocal. And like, there's so much at the end of a pro surfing career. There's so much there. And I got to see firsthand a lot of dudes who had got a few dudes that had world titles that were super miserable dudes, you know? So that where like you're having breakfast with these dudes, you know what I mean? you you can tell what they did last night. You can tell their whole thing. And like that was definitely, and they all, they, they, they seemed and their presence seemed like they had been robbed of something, even though there were two guys in particular. And that was a cautionary tale of like getting to see all that, like up close, got, got a kid thinking, got a kid thinking. I know? thought about that a lot. Like, Hmm. You, and that's one of those reasons I like to, like, I never like to completely solve the mystery on a spot or a region or a place or something. Even like that, like, even with like, like songs and music and writing and stuff. Like I like that little bit of like never figuring it out, you know, and it, that gives you something to ponder when you're out doing your stuff, you know? Yeah. Don Henley, the Eagles documentary he says that he's like, there's all this shit. People think hotel California is about yeah. this and about that. Yeah. And they'd always ask us. And he's like, dude, it's, it's supposed to be like that. Totally. I'm not supposed to tell you what it's about. It's supposed totally. to be there to evoke something out of you and have this mystery about totally. it. I thought that was really cool. And like, dare I put Curran in with Bob Dylan, but like those guys have a similarity in that, like whenever they've been sat down for the big interview, they just like let all the air out of the room, like for a second, like, and they just drop bombs, like just the best shit you've ever heard that totally in its own art 
artful way is like, I don't really give a fuck about you and I don't want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, but then they spin these amazing quotes. Like what was in, in like searching for um, Sonny's film, searching for Tom Curran. He, I think what's that? I, I should know it by heart, but at the end of the movie, they're like, so how do you do this? And he's like, um, I just like, it's like riding a bike or juggling or something. I don't know. Like it's the end of the movie. It's yeah. like my favorite. So rad. Yeah. I don't even know if I've ever quite picked up on that nuance. And I've watched that so many times. Well, he's basically, and like Sonny has to ask that question, but he's basically being like, he's basically like, shut the fuck up. Like there's no, I just do it. Yeah. And we're not, you know, yeah. uh, I want to say again, that like that reminds me of Sonny Miller, who was one of my, my biggest mentors and was truly one of the best surf cinematographers ever. And, um, he always had a fun man- banter with Curran. Like those guys knew each other, like old, there was like grumpy old men almost in a way. Mm-hmm. Tom always just kind of stuck and then just dropping these like $10 million dry wit, little snarky retorts, just like maybe one a day. And like, so genius. So good. Yeah. Legends. Yeah. Um, well, what are you up to these days, Chris? I kind of know, but for the rest of the people that sat here and listened to us talk shop. For yeah. A while, so I'm going to do a bunch of fun stuff right now. I mean, my, the vast majority of my days are, are, are up in Los Alamos where we live on our little ranch up there. And that's always the romanticism of, of, of the ranch is like more like fixing PVC and <laughs> like something with fleas or something, you know, there's definitely not a bunch of cowboying going on. It's more gardener work, work, which I really love, you know? Um, and then, uh, there's a couple films that I'm like kind of excited. That's how they always start with an idea. And then you talk to somebody that you know well, and you're like, what do you think? And they're like, fuck, that's, that one will go. Let's go. Let's do it. And then, okay, we need my, how are we going to do this? You know, like the, I've got a couple of ones and they're not surf films, but they're, they have their surf, surf adjacent. I notice people using that word a lot. Um, and then I am, um, Kelly and Todd Glazer are doing a book with Rizzoli and it's like 15 years of Todd's footage and he traveled. People don't realize like he traveled with Kelly this whole time. They're like brothers. It's, it's such a cool thing. And they, um, Kelly and Todd came to me and they like, they basically were like, Hey, we'd just love to have you in the edit. And, and so I'm helping, I've been down to hung with Todd and Kelly and we've gone through photos a million times and Todd doesn't realize like every photo is good. Like even his like second, third pick are like still so good. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know about that photo. I'm like, it made it all the way to layout. Like it's good photo, you know? And he's just such a, Todd is just such a, um, such a dedicated, frothy person and smart. And I feel like there's kind of only one person and that's Todd that could handle Kelly for 15 years on the road. Like, um, and we all know Kelly, like, like best guy in the world, brother to me for sure. Um, but like when there's surf or there could be surf, like, you got to hand it to the dude. Like he is the frothiest kid in the world. So like Todd had to like there when Kelly travels, it's 
pretty crazy how he does, right? Like it's always last minute and it might, he takes off in the air and he's like, fuck, I'm going to Barbados, but I know this spot's going to be good. Maybe I can book a flight. I mean, he's just, and it's all in the name of surf. It isn't for photo shoots. Like that's the thing is like, if it weren't for Todd, a ton of this shit would never, these sessions would never even be seen. You know, I mean, there's the, the one in, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll save it. You guys check it out. It's like, it's going to be, it's going to be neat. There's a bunch of, of good stuff. And so I, I have been able to run down and, and hang with those guys and yeah. edit. Yeah. So I've um, known Todd since I was 12. Oh, no way. He went to Brooks in Santa Barbara and he used to pick me and Parker up and take us surfing down at like shores or something. We'd go pull into closeouts and he'd shoot flash or photos of us and, and he was going to Brooks and then he'd take us to in and out and he'd just trip out that we'd eat like eight in and out burgers each and milkshakes and shit. That is so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, and then when I started doing the tour, they were traveling yeah. together Yeah. and I would, I was like, Todd, you're, you're like, what, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm with Kelly. Where's Kelly? Yeah. Dude, he's like all oh, there and there. And I'm, I'm like, well, we're at J Bay. Like the waves are firing. So he'd just be shooting photos because he was frothing. He'd be like, yeah. I don't know if Kelly's going to show up or not, but he'd be all the way at J Bay you know, <laughs> waiting for Kelly to show up. He's just a, he's just a great guy. Yeah, and, and, it, and it comes down to all those things we're talking about. Like he knows what he wants to do, you know, and, and, and he um, isn't singular in his vision of life either, you know, but he knows what he's going to do. And he, um, he just has that internal furnace that runs hot in a good way. You know, I mean, like yesterday sent me a picture of this like ridiculous, like, um, mountain down in North County or something. And like, he's been mountain biking this thing and like just this, he'll get up and do that. Like, he'll be like, I know I can't get up that. I haven't, I've been trying for a month. I'm going to get up and do that, you know, and then start his day. He just frothy. Yeah. I want to get great. taught on here someday. You should. Me and him, me and him, when we, we have to curb ourselves because when we get around all the photos and there's caffeine involved, like we'll go like an hour and a half and be like, we didn't look at one photo. <laughs> uh -huh. And I, and I, and it's a lot of it's my fault because, you know, it's just too fun. They, all the images spark. There's so many neat characters that Kelly has, has, um, grown up around. You know, and like some of them are included. So I see, see when we're editing, I'm like, oh, that takes me into that world and that time. And it's hard to stay focused because there's so much good stuff. For sure. Well, fired up to check out the book. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we could sit here and talk all day with me and Chris. So I don't know. Is there anything else that you like, um, really want? I feel like we covered a lot of cool stuff. So this is just fun and random. I've told it before. I remember you and your brother because I was running around with your uncle, Jason Baffa and we were down in Mexico and he was shooting 16 and they just had such a great time. And he was telling me about you guys and I'm like, yeah, all right, we'll see. You know, like that's my job is to be like, all right, whatever, we'll see. And then, um, and then I did that movie one track mind, which we, which I still feel terrible about. And I wanted to get, I got, had like Kolohe, a bunch of those kids. So I wanted a trip with just like, you basically your guy's age, but we had never surfed together yet. Yeah, I'm just yeah, hearing yeah. all this stuff. And like, there were some obvious ones. And then like at the last minute, everybody like Evan, like everybody was like, wait, where, how's Connor not coming? I'm like, I don't know. And all I would have ever had to do is see you surf. I just, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. So, um, and I regret that. I apologize here on camera <laughs> that I didn't, that. uh, and then hear more about you guys. And I think it was like on like a Thanksgiving day. So it was a Thanksgiving day and we were cooking on, the, on, um, we were on, I was living on the San Julian ranch at that time. 
And my good buddy, Jim Brady, goes, we're going surfing. And I'm like, dude, I can't today. Like, I got. So we go down, and he had a mat, and I had, like, a 10-0, like, single fin, longboard. And um, it's just pumping as good as it gets, like, 200, 300-yard long, just as big and good as it gets. It was just he and I, and then, like, I just see, like, these little, like, figures up top, and and I'm like, oh, wow, that guy got it, like, right on the perfect spot. Like, that guy surfs here, whatever. And you just did, like, eight of the biggest man hacks. Like, you were pretty, you were a lot smaller than you are now. It was just full-blown man hacks all the way, and, like, kicked out by me with a big smile, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm in. This kid's fucking awesome. And we surfed. Our family surfed together that day, and oh, that so was really Jason cool. was with us that day. He was. He was looking was. like he was looking kind of pensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fuck. It's kind of big out here. I think. I think he was like. Uh, he's taking it all in. He got some screamers. He got yeah. some good ones. That was. I re- will never forget that session. That was freaking pretty all time. Probably partially because you were out there, and I remember that exact moment of like kicking. I was like, oh, that's Chris Malloy. And like I kind of <laughs> knew you at that point, but not like. Oh, Not like a, we do now where we talk shit for sure, hours, you know. But sure. There was one other time I, I remember we were like at a, we were groms and I, I mean, I was really young at this point and someone had like brought us, like I used to do this after school surf thing. And cool. There's probably like six of us kids and we went down to where you guys lived and we were out and we were surfing and you kind of paddled by and were like, kind of grumbled at us a little bit because we were just being like <laughs> little freaking, you know, just frothing groms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like. You know, probably this big. There weren't that many people, but it's just grinding on the sand, and, <laughs> and we I'm were like, probably being annoying. And, and I'm kind of like said something to us, and we're like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my duty." That yeah, but no, duty. like that's funny because to me as a kid growing up, like I never, I was never like, "Oh, Chris is Chris was a dick." I was like, "Yeah, well, he he should have told us sure to s- stop being annoying." Sure. <laughs> you know? sure, it's just like with <laughs> it's kind of like think of it this way. Think of like if you're if you're new to surfing. And, um, you know, you try to figure out that whole like thing and like, you know, it's gotta be an exciting time in anybody's life. Right. And like the, and then, and then to have like these people, you know, that are like, Whoa, there's certain, there's certainly a vibe there. And like, like not, no, you know, that's gotta be hard. You know, you feel yeah. for, for, for people cause it's confusing. And my, my advice would just be like, Again, you know, shut the fuck up and get out of the way and listen. And within no time, you are going to be so proud of yourself that you pay, that you, that you garnered respect from the people in your local lineup and go out with the mentality of like the oceans, everybody's Mm -hmm. the oceans. I read it. I read it on a website. It's everybody's. Well, that was cool though, because you said that little, like, and it wasn't some big thing. Like it was just kind of, yeah, you know, hey guys, you know, yeah. And, and. Like I learned that from you in a nice way compared to <laughs> sure. some of the other experiences yeah. I had in my life. Like so, one other one, I was a kid and I, you know, the age old thing of like, oh, there's someone in the tube and you're paddling this sure. way and you got to paddle to the whitewash. Sure. I was like eight. I didn't know. And I'm paddling this way. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's in the barrel. Ditched my board, ran it over, came up. We're like tangled up three huge fin marks through my like one short board, you know, at that point. Amazing. And I'm like, and the guy wasn't like, are you all right? He's like, what the fuck are you doing, Grom? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, you never, he's screaming at me. You never paddle yeah. that way. You always paddle the whitewater. And I was like, sweet. Simple Went things. in, board's like ruined. And I'm like, I'm never going to paddle that done, way. It's done deal. You know? Done deal. And well, it's like, safer because you paddle to the whitewater. Done deal. You yeah. could have said it a little nicer, but I got the point. Right. I feel like people, people um, should, um, 
think of it as like think of it as, as like your dad if you get a come up into the lineup think of it as like your dad or your best friend when you do something that's clearly not right whether you knew it or you didn't and they're like hey they check you super hard and if it's your brother or your best friend you're like that sucks that hurt that sucks but um okay okay like i'm i'm gonna take i'm gonna take that advice and um and deal with the uncomfortableness around it and like words aren't going to fix anything like i'm going to prove uh, how about i just act accordingly in the lineup and watch watch what watch what happens like kind of instantly how people um you know they they play off that like weird intruder kind of sketchy no eye contact <laughs> like catfishing super hard when like the girls go shit like that you know like you're gonna it's 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 reciprocal dude like just totally don't be an asshole yeah oh yeah well i think we talked about a lot chris yeah i think so too well thanks for coming down well shit i'm thoroughly stoked i made the mission down here and i felt like it was like pretty much all like fishing all summer with you like all the conversations we had like waiting for fish to move around like that's pretty much that's what this was pretty much so i hope that works and i'm just super stoked to be down here thanks chris yeah thanks for sharing all your knowledge and stories and all the good stuff that all us kids need to hear we're just getting going huh? pass it on it's on yeah okay <laughs> thanks fellas <laughs> surfing and your coverage of it in season three of lost hills added just an extra layer of the personal for you so can you tell us about how you yourself got into surfing i have beginner's mind for it like it's definitely opened up a whole different sense of even living in los angeles for me like i'm not sure that i would still be there if i hadn't found the water as a kind of really essential part of my life there Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Prodan, host of the World Surf League's premier podcast, The Lineup with Dave Prodan. And you've just heard an excerpt from our interview with Dana Goodyear, the award-winning journalist and host of her own excellent Lost Hills podcast from episode 160. At The Lineup, we endeavor to have deep conversations with as diverse a cast of characters from the surfing world as we can. Listen to the full interview with Dana and more on the lineup with Dave Prodan, wherever you get your podcasts.